Welcome to Insurance Uncovered, the first property casualty insurance podcast offering perspective and insight on top issues facing industry professionals. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Kathy Imus. Today, we're uncovering insurers' response to last year's devastating Hurricane Harvey and what progress the industry still needs to make in Texas. It was just nine months ago that the news of Hurricane Harvey spread across the airwaves. Breaking news, Hurricane Harvey barreling into the Texas coastline as a Category 4 storm with 130-mile-an-hour winds. It's the first Category 4 storm to hit the U.S. in over a decade. The devastating storm caused more than $125 billion in damage, according to the National Hurricane Center, after making landfall three times in just six days. Looking back now, we can credit insurers' ability to help so many people during the aftermath in part to improvements in weather forecasting. We spoke with BMS Rees Vice President and Senior Meteorologist Andrew Seifert about how this improving technology will continue to help insurers in the future. Yeah, I mean, I'm a firm believer that our weather forecasts are getting better, and that's going to ultimately help the insurance industry and in particularly on the claims management side, but I think even on the underwriting side, if we can move away from, and this is kind of dreaming a little bit, but if we can start to say a seasonal forecast is going to be X for a particular peril, we can then structure products around that particular peril for a heightened or or even a, a lessened uh, hurricane season, for example. But I, I think right now we're just not at that level of hurricane forecasting to to come up with these kind of sub-seasonal forecast products for the insurance company. But I think, you know, forecasts are getting better, and maybe in the next 10 years that's going to be much different. I mean, we've already seen forecasts improve drastically in the last 10 years from a seven-day forecast is fairly accurate on precipitation and temperature now. And it's not to say the two-week, three-week, and four-week forecast isn't going to be better in in the near future in the next 10 years, which will help the insurance companies. Hurricane forecasters from North Carolina State University and Colorado State University are warning that 2018 could bring another above-average storm season. They predict between 14 and 18 named storms this year. And the National Hurricane Center is already watching a disturbance in the Gulf of Mexico that they say has a 40% chance of developing into the first-named storm of the season, even though hurricane season doesn't officially begin until June 1. Whether it's hurricanes, floods, hail, tornadoes, wildfires, or even earthquakes, the Lone Star State faces many perils. In the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey, NAMIC Southwest Regional Vice President Paul Martin says insurers had to get creative when dealing with flood damage. It seems that every every disaster uh, is not the same. Some of the things are the same. Some of the issues will always be the same. But we learn after every disaster. Every disaster is unique. And with Harvey's case, the the flooding, um, the massive amount of flooding, this was more of an auto event than a homeowner's event in, in some respects because for the private market, since most private insurers don't cover flood, uh, but they cover flood for your auto. As a result, we had hundreds of thousands of vehicles that were flooded. So one of the lessons we learned is what do you do with hundreds of thousands of cars that are flooded? Where do you go? Texas was fairly innovative. They found some old speedways, uh, racetracks, where it had lots of parking and lots of space available. 
and the various state agencies and the, the insurance industry work to put those cars there in these unique places because you, you've got to put them somewhere, get them off the road, and you've got to figure out a way to adjust those claims and get them paid quickly, and then you've got to figure out a way to dispose of the salvage. That was a good exercise for us to go through because, candidly, we never had the event that where 200,000, 300,000 cars uh, easily, very quickly, were needing to be towed away and uh, towed out as a result of it. So it, it's, it's a constant learning process, be it a flood, be it a fire, be it a hurricane. We're always learning what the next challenge is. Perhaps one of the biggest challenges in Texas is dealing with the financial responsibility of the Texas Windstorm Insurance Association. TWIA provides wind coverage for homes along the coast since many home insurers have elected not to provide that coverage due to the hurricane risk. After a storm, however, if TWIA runs out of money to pay claims, insurers writing property insurance in the state can be assessed to make up any shortfalls in the TWIA fund. Martin anticipates TWIA will make an assessment in the coming months due to Hurricane Harvey. While most of us watched on television as Harvey barreled through the Southwest, many NAMIC members actually lived through it in Texas. On today's Unscripted, our Chuck Chamness sits down with Paul Ehlert. Paul is NAMIC chairman and president and CEO of Texas-based Germania Mutual. They discuss what it was like to experience the hurricane firsthand and respond quickly to policyholders in need. Well, Paul, thanks for joining me today. We've all heard the stats, and while they vary a bit, it's clear that Hurricane Harvey uh, had a a tremendous effect on Texas, uh, your home state. IIII reports that Harvey resulted in $30 billion in insured losses. 88 people in Texas, unfortunately, lost their lives, and more than 200,000 homes were destroyed with some estimates putting the number of vehicles lost at, at one million uh, total. You know, many of our members have heard about the effects through the news or even through insurance uh, news media, but you know, you lived through it firsthand, and so you know, I'd like to know more today about kind of what you encountered. And I guess we'd start with you know, the hurricane itself. Um, what did you see? How was it different from perhaps other storms that you've lived through? And uh, when did you know how devastating it would turn out to be? First of all, thanks, Chuck, for having me. And Hurricane Harvey was devastating for the state of Texas and particularly the coastal areas. Hurricane Harvey, we began began looking at it as a tropical storm, and it intensified quickly to a hurricane Category 1, and then at landfall it was at a Category 4. The hurricane itself had a fairly narrow width of hurricane winds, about 40 miles But the difference with regard to Hurricane Harvey and our last major hurricane would have been Hurricane Ike in 2008 is that Hurricane Harvey entered in around the Rockport area off the coastline, moved in inland about 100 miles, decided to stall there, dropping significant amounts of rain, and then came back out to the Texas coastline and then strengthened a little bit as it ran parallel up the Texas coastline, continuing to drop rain until it entered into the eastern portion of the coastal area where it dropped a significant amount of rain, resulting in flooding initially in the Houston area and then ultimately in the Beaumont area. So, you know, we think about these and we're talking about it as an insurance event and a weather event, a cat as we call them, but 
you know, you're in Brenham, not far from Houston. Um, you know, were you affected? How was your family and, and Germania employees affected? I was not personally affected. The Germania itself, the office, we had to close on Monday because we had many of our employees who could not get to the office due to area flooding. We had a few employees that did have flooding. One had a significant amount of flooding. Flood waters went to the ridge of his roof line. Wow. That's, uh, that's quite a stress when you think about, you know, people working in the uh, recovery effort and paying claims and being on call at the busiest period that you'll have as an insurance company, but at the same time dealing with the events at home and their families, and I'm sure it's a challenge to work through. It is a challenge, yes. So one thing about hurricanes is, uh, you know, we have noticed, thanks to modern weather technology, um, we know they're coming in. How far in advance were you able to, um, you know, recognize that it was out there and it was on its way into your area? The meteorologists had done a fairly good job of predicting the landfall. Probably initially they didn't predict the severity of a Cat 4 as it would make landfall, but we had notice of it coming in roughly four to five days in advance. We began with our business resumption team evaluating the hurricane as it was coming in. They were meeting generally twice a, a day, outlining the communications that we'd be utilizing for our agency force as well as our home office staff, recognizing that landfall was not that far away from our home office. We were communicating with those who had laptops to take their laptops home so that they would hopefully be able to work from home in the event we were not able to open the office. But also, when you look at our CAT team that was going to handle the claims, you think that all you have to do is figure out which members of your CAT team you would deploy at different times during, during the aftermath of the hurricane, but there's so much more than that. You have to look for where we can house these adjusters as they go down to work in the affected areas. We also had to contact and bring in our independent adjusters because the magnitude of the frequency of claims, the number of claims that we were going to have would be much larger than our adjusting staff could handle on its own. So room reservations were being made well in advance in two or three different areas along the coast, not knowing exactly where the hurricane would make landfall. At the home office, we were loading our cat trailers up, filling up our generators and making sure all of those were running. And in our northern office, we have an office in the northern part of Dallas. We had began already developing plans there to utilize that facility to allow us to house contract adjusters who we would be bringing in to answer claim calls as soon as the phone lines were operable. Wow, a lot of planning. So you mentioned Ike in 08. Uh, how does Harvey rank in terms of other disasters you've dealt with? Harvey was, was smaller in its magnitude for wind losses than Hurricane Ike. But the challenge with Hurricane Harvey was is the fact that there were so many losses resulting from flood, which our property policies don't cover. As a result, our adjusters were out handling our members' claims, but having to unfortunately tell our members that the losses that they were experiencing were not covered. This created a significant strain on both our adjusters and the home office because we're there to serve our members, and we could not assist them with regard to the flood claims they were having on the property side. 
Um, how's Texas responded? And, of course, there's a regulatory overlay that uh, is also involved in a storm like this. Well, from a regulatory standpoint, yes, the Texas Department of Insurance issued its guidelines and our policyholders were not required to make payments for certain periods of time and we would not cancel policies during uh, those periods of time until they were able to get their feedback on the ground. From personal side, neighbors helping neighbors, what mutuals are all about, really shown through. We had many individuals bringing their personal boats in to help move people out of the flood-prone areas. Recognize that the areas that were flooded were not the areas that would typically flood in Texas. We, weren't, we were well outside the 100-year floodplains. In an area a little bit north of the Beaumont area, it rained 45 inches, almost four feet of water in about three days. Wow. That shows the magnitude of the storm and, and the pictures that we all saw on TV. You know, we talk a lot about building codes and really helping, in our case, uh, federal government um, prepare in advance for disaster better than it does today. Federal government's too much in the business of uh, a political and wasteful process of disaster spending after the fact. And of course, there was some involved in um, each of the three hurricanes that made landfall this year. But, um, you know, building codes are, are part of that. And, uh, you know, Texas doesn't have um, building codes. It's one of the states that uh, we'd see as an opportunity to build stronger going forward. How do you see that as an issue in Texas, and what do you think the prospects are for, uh, for changing it? Hopefully, we will see Texas take note of the fact that there are some benefits for having standard building codes across the state. We do have building codes within the municipality areas. Harris County has gone in and adopted more restrictive building codes as, as we speak with regard to elevation requirements for the construction of homes on a go-forward basis. Unfortunately, Texas is sometimes thinks it's 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 in its own country. The Republic of Texas. It's the Republic it once of was Texas. Tried yes. to be. And it, it, at times they talk about succeeding again. <laughs> but having said that, it, Texas legislators have always been challenged with telling people how they should build their homes. So I am cautiously optimistic that some of the efforts that have been taking place in Washington D.C. to enhance the disaster recovery funds. We'll, we'll, we'll fall on the ears of our legislators, and they will look at adopting some standardized building codes across the state. Well, thanks, Paul. Thanks. I uh, appreciate your comments about the, uh, you know, looking out for policyholders, our members, and, uh, of course, this is an industry that's about putting people's lives back together after disaster strikes. So thanks for sharing the uh, story of your disaster last year and uh, being on insurance unscripted. Thanks for having me, Chuck. On the next Unscripted, Chuck talks with former Ohio State football star and two-time Heisman Trophy winner Archie Griffin. Not only has Griffin enjoyed a successful career on the field, he's been a valued member of the Board of Directors for Motorist Insurance for many years. Griffin will talk a little football and share his insights on the importance of goal setting and surrounding yourself with supporting and inspiring people to achieve success. Another place you can surround yourself with inspirational leaders is at NAMIC's annual convention. Kristen Spriggs, Senior Vice President of Member Development, tells us about the all-new Professional Development Lounge at this year's big event in San Antonio, Texas. 
So a couple of things that we're really excited about. Um, we're introducing something new called the Professional Development Lounge this year. And it was really out of recognition that um, over the years, and so many training departments have been dissolved or training has evolved in member organizations. And some organizations don't actually have like a focused training program for their staff, whether that's current leadership, middle management, or up and coming leaders within an organization. And so taking a page out of the TEDx style uh, of short, brief presentations on a variety of topics to make us really well-rounded professionals is what we're modeling this after. So it's going to occur uh, two days. We're focused on Tuesday and Wednesday. And um, people will be able to come in, sit and listen to a, a presentation, whether that's on professional etiquette, um, developing your 30-second elevator pitch about who you are and what you do, to um, um, even professional style, you know, how you present yourself, how you walk into a room, how you dress to present the most professional, confident image. Um, we're also going to offer a uh, professional photographer that's going to do some um, headshots, professional headshots. So these will be, you know, um, styled uh, photography uh, that people can use in their professional development. So that's one of our really cool new things that we're doing this year. NAMIC's annual convention takes place September 23rd through the 26th. Sign up now to take advantage of the early bird registration rates that run through July 23rd. And learn more about the event by checking out Convention Central on our website at namic.org. That's it for us today. Tell us what you think of our podcast. If there's something you'd like to hear about on Insurance Uncovered, just shoot us an email at uncovered at namic.org. And don't miss our next episode on May 30th. I'm Kathy Imus. Thanks for listening.